Welcome to the Living Waters Church Sunday Sermon. We hope you enjoy today's message. Praise God. Do we serve a big God or a little God? How big? Great big God? Great big God. There was a story about, um, there were some blind people, and they lined them up against an elephant. You probably already heard this story. And they asked the first guy, describe the elephant. He said, well, the elephant is like a, a tree. He felt his leg. He said, he's like a tree. They asked the next guy, well, what's the elephant? You describe him. He's like a snake. Got his trunk. He felt his trunk. Yeah, he's like a snake. They asked the other guy, he said, what about, you describe the elephant. He said, well, he's like a wall. He just touched the side of him. They asked the other guy, he said, what do you think? Describe this elephant. Well, he's like a rope. It's his tail. And unfortunately, us as humans, we shrink God down to one facet. He's a multifaceted God. He's a great big God. He's not just limited to one narrow thing. He's a great big God. He can... He can touch every area of your life, any and everything that you're going through. I love that song, I Surrender. Because whenever we surrender to him, he can open up a brand new facet of himself every single time. And we have to deny ourselves and receive him. Okay? We have to deny ourselves and receive him. And it's very important that we we don't put God in this little box like the blind people did with the elephant. Well, he's just little itty-bitty God, and that's how he is, and that's where he is. No, he's a great big God. And I, I'm going to show you a few things, and uh, every one of these things is worthy of a sermon, but I'm just going to shrink them all down to the Reader's Digest type thing, and we're going to go straight on through it. To the Hebrews, after the deliverance in Egypt, he was their supplier. They was over across the Red Sea, had nothing to eat, had nothing to drink. They were going to die. They said, what, Moses, you brought, him, you brought us out here to die because there was no graves in Egypt? Talk about desperation, huh? But God supplied their manna and their, their, their water out of the rock. What about Jeremiah oh, over at the brook Kidron? Remember God put him over there, and that was during the hard and, 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 and tough times. And God fed him with a raven. He brought him food, and, and he, he was in that water until the water dried up, and then he took him someplace else. You guys remember, the, you remember the, the widow and her son? They uh, scooped up all this. These, uh, she had one little handful of flour and just a little bit of oil, and they scooped up enough firewood that's going to do their last meal and then die. God had a different plan. He sent Jeremiah. He said, no. He said, you take that oil and you get as many containers as you can and you keep filling them up and they kept filling them up and that one little cruise bill kept on filling it up until that very last container. Are you getting this? Until that very last container was full. Do you got any needs? Is he big enough to supply your needs? He's a great big God. I'm guilty as anybody else of, of limiting the Holy One of Israel. And I, I ask his forgiveness every single day. God, forgive me for shrinking you down to this little itty-bitty God. He's more than just a God on our dashboard or at the end of a chain. He's a great big God. He's a real God. He's more than just a name at the end of a prayer. He's a living God. He's a great big living God. Pray for me, folks, that God's will be done today, okay? And what about the 3,000 and the 5,000 that Jesus said, all right, you guys all sit out here. There's no food out there. There's no food out there. What have you got? Have you got two fishes and a little loaf? Can he turn that into what you need? 3,000 people and 12 baskets full of leftovers? God's a great big God. Great big God, J.D., huge God, as big as we need him to be, right? As big as we need him to be. He is our supplier. 
You know what else he is? He's our healer. You remember the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years? You remember what she did? She went to these shysters, and all they did was lighten her of her money and made her worse. Sound familiar? Ever happened to anybody here? Yeah. What about the lame man at the beautiful gate? Remember, they brought him there and they set him down every single day, every single day. And he, had, and he begged for, for alms. Every single day, same people passing by, going into the, <clears throat> excuse me, going into the temple. They passed him by and he was begging for bread. But one day, James and John and Peter, I don't have the scripture in front of me. Anyway, to the disciple, the name was uh, Peter and John. Anyway, they were walking into the temple and he said, and he said, look at me. He said, all right, cool. I got to take her. I'm going to get some money. He said, look at me. He said, gold and silver I don't have. But what I do have, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. That's what he needed. He didn't need money. He needed his health back. Amen? And that's what he got back so he could go get a job. But he jumped up and he was following him. It says, and he was leaping and jumping and praising God. Can you dig it? God is big enough. He's big enough. He wants to take us from one place to the other, but somehow we're stuck in our mediocrity. We're believing God is only this big. He's a great big God. He was his healer. What about blind Bartimaeus? Remember, have you, just somebody try it. One of these days, walk through your house with your eyes shut. Just try it. I know we can put everything in a position just right. Got any kids? Anybody got kids? They ever leave anything out where it doesn't belong? Open a drawer? Shut the drawers. How about a cabinet door? Shut the door. Boom. Oh, my goodness. We've all done it. What about the shoes in the floor? Any kids leave shoes in the floor? The blind guy is going to trip over them. Oh, my goodness. It never ends. And this blind Barnabas, he's a desperate man. I'm thinking if he had kids, that's probably what was going on with him. And he said... Son of David, he knew that Jesus was coming by. This heard this ruckus. What's going on? This Jesus is coming by. He says, Son of David, have mercy upon me. And everybody told him, shh, 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 calm, calm down, man, hold it down. This guy was doing that illegal prayer, that prayer of desperation. And he knew that Jesus Christ was what he needed. Can I get a witness? Does anybody know that Jesus Christ is what they need today? for their daily situation, for whatever you're going through, whatever you're going through. Great big God. Great big God. And he asked him, what do you need that I could receive my sight? He said, you have it. You have it. What about the, the lame man at the pool of Bethesda? Bethesda, you remember that? The angel came ever so often, he stirred the water, and the first one who stepped in got healed. What about the rest of them? Nope. Enough healing power for that one person a day, or whenever the angel stirred the water. But when Jesus came, it's a different story, right? Completely different story. Whatever your needs are, he can supply it. And Jesus said, you don't have anybody to put you in the water. No, he, he said, how come you're not getting healed? I don't have anybody to put me in the water. And, and everyone steps in in front of me. Ever happen to you? Anybody ever step in front of you and take your blessing, take what you feel belongs to you? Happens every single day. But with Jesus, there's plenty to go around. My mom used to say, I said, Mom, don't you want healing? Oh, let, let them other people get healed. Mom, there's enough. I told I said that before. Mom, there's plenty of God to go around. He's not limited. He's not like this, you know, this, this little book. Oh, I got two pages left. Nope. Only got two little food stamps. You guys remember food stamps in the old days? It came in stamps. I was used to go on strike and they'd give us food stamps for a little while. Well, we only got two stamps left. No, no. Mom, there's plenty. There's plenty. Write that check for whatever you need. You know, God has this bank account that never ending, man. Whatever, whatever you need. Anyway, the Bible's full of healings, and we need to remember them. I can look out across here, and I can see people that have been healed. 
I know your testimony. You testified before of how good God is, how he heals you. You remember the Hebrews? They were in deliverance. I mean, they were in, in bondage to Egypt for, for 400 years. They needed a deliverer. Anybody need a deliverer here today? Anybody in bondage to anything? It doesn't matter what it is. That bondage can be anything. These guys were in bondage to the Egyptians. What are you in bondage to today? Is God big enough to deliver you from your bondage? To take the handcuffs off of you and set you free? He set me free. And I can look around the room and I can see several others. That Jesus Christ has set you free. And a lot of people think, well, well, my problem is not a bondage. Well, maybe unforgiveness is a bondage. Maybe prejudice is a bondage. Maybe unbelief is a bondage. And you know all the others, drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever, hatred. These bondages, Jesus can break them and he can get them off of you. I'm not saying I'm completely free of that. I'm just saying that he's able. Because every day I, come, I wake up with a new bondage, man. Can I get a witness? We can. We break up with these new things every single day. And God says, what about that, Randy? That's a bondage? Well, I was kind of saving that, God. I didn't really want to be set free of that. It's a bondage. It gets between me and you. It wedges between me and you. So that you cannot be the man or woman of God that I need you to be. And God's a great big God. He can take that away. And you know what? A brother had a dream. Honestly, his wife had a dream. And he told him, he said, uh, he, he said, you know, God showed three people. There was one of them, he had a three-piece suit on. And I saw you, Randy, you had a garbage bag on. And this other guy, he was completely naked. And God said, what does this mean? There's a lot of people, they get before God and they have this facade on so that they're not completely honest with God. They're not completely honest with God. And, you're, and you, you, you put forth this persona that people will see. Come on, that three-piece suit, it said, oh yeah, this is who I am. Really? Is that who you are? Or that's who you want people to believe you are? And then she said, and you, Randy, you had a garbage bag on. What that means, you're almost transparent. You're almost right before God, but you got this garbage bag on. God wants you to be completely naked before him, down on your face saying, Father, forgive me. Anything, sorry, anything can get in your way of being completely transparent before your God, asking what it is. And it's a hard question sometimes. God, show me what it is. I want that relationship with you that is unshakable, unmovable. That's what I want. But you got this thing between me and you. You're being a phony. You're being a hypocrite. Oh, and that's me. Father, forgive me. I got to get up every day. God, I don't want to be that way. I want to be right before you every single day. And he said, well, just lay this down and come into my presence. And when I do, oh, man, you guys know what I'm talking about. It's awesome. When you can come into the presence of God, he said, now. Now we can have fellowship. We don't have this hindrance between us. God's a good God. A deliverer. You guys remember the boy who had the demons? His dad took him before the disciples, and they couldn't heal him. The Bible says that that demon would throw that kid in the fire and in the water to try to burn him and try to drown him. And he said, I took him to your disciples, but your disciples couldn't heal him. <coughs> remember what he said to his disciples? You guys remember? Oh, you have little faith. How long am I going to be with you? Bring the child here. He chastises his guys because they've seen him doing all these miracles, and he said, all you have to do is believe. Did you know that our work before God is just to believe? Well, we have to follow him, but I'm talking about having faith. We just got to have faith and believe. Am I there? Absolutely not. 
If I was there, I would have smooth sailing. I don't have smooth sailing. I'm just like every single one of you guys. I get up every morning and this drama, bam, hits me right in the face. I say, God, really? I'm getting tired. He's, and, you know, and then he shows me these guys out in uh, uh, the very first one, our supplier. They gave them daily bread. Daily. They couldn't take two days worth of food of manna. Did you know that? Only one day. Only one day. What do you need today? I need your supply. I need your love. I need your deliverance every single day. One day at a time. Is that how many days God gives you? Is tomorrow yours? No. There's no promise of it tomorrow, is there? But there's a promise of Him being your sustenance and your supply if you trust Him today. Not tomorrow. Yesterday's gone, right? Isn't it? Anybody ever try living in the past? Yeah, but oh yeah. No. Okay, the past molds you and shapes you into who you are. And you can't forget where you came from. Otherwise, oh, that messes up, doesn't it? Don't forget where you came from. Oh, my goodness. You know, I've heard so many people. Yeah, but you need to. I said, did you forget where you came from? Oh, my goodness. God's a good God. He is our deliverer. What about the victory? Anybody need a victory today? When Israel was going into battle up against several nations, I think there was five armies, something like that. There was five armies going up against them. And they seen them coming from every different direction. And they got word from all their spies out. They said, man, we are in a hurt. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. And you know what said they did? They set their face towards God. They set their face towards God. And they prayed. And they fasted. And they called a, a, uh, a, they called a national fast. And they started seeking God. And they were trembling. They were afraid. Anybody ever been afraid here? Yeah. Especially the unknown. But God, I don't know if I can handle this. But it says that God was with them. Michael? God was with them. He was with them, Chad, all the way. He was with them. And when God's with you, there's nothing you cannot defeat. He's an awesome God. He said that, you know what they did? They got up in the morning after praying all night. They got up and they sent their, who, remember who they, they always sent in front of them? They didn't send the warriors out front. Remember who they sent? They sent the worshipers out front because with the worship, that brings the presence of God. And where the presence of God is, the enemy falls back. It says in a song, the enemy falls back at thy presence. We need the presence of God. And these guys prayed and they sought the face of God. And the presence of God pushed those guys back and it caused, they went down and every one of them was dead. You know why? Because they defeated each other. They were fighting each other. Does it sound familiar with the, what's going on in the country today? Christians are going to be in the crosshairs. We already are in the crosshairs of a lot of people. This, the enemy of our soul, we're in the crosshairs there because the enemy hates us. If because you, well, one of the reasons, because you turned on him. You guys turned on the devil. You deserted. Praise God. Praise God. You defected from the, from, the, from the enemy, from the losers, and you came to the winning side. Praise God. You got the victory? You can have the victory every single day. You can have the victory every single day. Anyway, they went down there, and the Bible says it took them five days to gather up all the booty, all the gold, all the weapons, all the, the goods, all the food, all the, oh my goodness. Because those guys didn't have God. God was not with their enemy. But God is with us if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Like I said before, it's not enough to believe because the demons in hell believe, but they don't follow, they don't obey. They don't trust God. Followers of Jesus Christ. Man. So just think about your victory. 
Think about the victory that you need. What about your joy? Anybody need joy? Has the enemies tried to steal your joy? The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength in the time of need. Anybody in the time of need here today? I stand in the time of need every single day. Every single day, brothers and sisters. Every single day. And the enemy tries to steal my joy every single day. Got a couple of drama factories at my house. You know what I'm talking about. And the enemy tries to steal their joy every single day. The enemy tries to steal their joy every single day. And the enemy tries to steal mine. You know what distractions are. The enemy, we talked about this on Wednesday night a couple, couple of Wednesdays ago, about, about our, these distractions that the enemy puts in our way. Anything to take your eyes off of Jesus Christ. Anything to take your eyes off of where God wants you to go. The Bible says that God has this char- uh, course charted out for us. Amen? Where we're supposed to be going. And if we get distracted, we're not going to go where he wants us to go. We're going to go every place except where he wants us to go. And that's what the enemy wants. If you're a praying soldier of God, the enemy is going to mess you up. He's going to distract you so much. If you're lukewarm or backslidden, Satan's not going to bother you because you're right where he wants you. You're no threat to the kingdom of hell if you're not a praying soldier. If you're not witnessing for, for, the, for, for, for the glory of God, if you're not concerned about souls into the kingdom, if you're not praying for your lost loved ones, brothers and sisters in Christ, or even praying for your enemies. Y'all pray for your enemies? The Bible says we're supposed to. No way, that's hard. Of course it's hard. But you know what? God wants to save your enemies. The Bible says that God has no pleasure in the death of wicked men. Did you know that? Someone said, no, the Bible said, yes, it does. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked man, but he's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. He wants to save your enemies. He didn't want to destroy them. He didn't come to destroy lives, to save lives. But then there is those who will not turn. Those are those who will not turn, but we don't know who those are, right? So we need to pray for our enemies, for salvation. Anyway, Mary and Martha, they had a brother. His name was Lazarus. You guys remember the story? I think everybody here, if you're a born-again Christian, you better know that story. Amen? Anyway, Mary, did you know that Mary, Lazarus' brother, was that Mary, same Mary, who took that alabaster box and broke it, anointed Jesus' head and feet and cried over his eyes? Over and, 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 and wiped his feet with her, her tears and her hair. Same Mary. Man, she had a revelation of the Son of the Living God, didn't she? And that's what we all need. We need a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Anyway, if you want to catch up with that story, it's John 11. Just read the whole, whole chapter. We don't have time this morning, but like I said, every one of these is worthy of a sermon. Every single one of these is worthy to, it's all right there in the Word. I didn't make none of this up. It's all right here in this, in this Word, every one of them. You guys remember, you guys remember Jarius? Oh, anyway, uh, Mary and Martha, they had their brother raised from the dead. He was dead four days. You guys remember that? If you don't know it, Lazarus is in the grave four days. Can you imagine that? Okay, four days. They did not have embalming fluid in the grave. Four days. And, and Jesus said, Where'd you lay, where did you lay him? Oh, did you, did you know that that's the only place it records that Jesus wept? Jesus had compassion. He cared about what this family was going through. These were his guys. He would go see them all the time. They would make him food, and he would hang out with them, fellowship with them all the time. Can we fellowship with Jesus Christ? We did on Wednesday, didn't we? We had fellowship with Jesus Christ. We had communion. I love it. We had communion just like they did. They had communion with Jesus Christ all the time. Every time he came to their little town, Jesus would stop off. Hey, guys, what's going on? Oh, could you imagine the joy? 
Anyway, this Mary and Martha, they loved their brother. He was raised back from the dead. Jesus yelled and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth and they said, but you know what's cool about that miracle too is, and he told them to roll the stone away. He told them to roll the stone away. Wait a minute. You can't roll the stone away? Jesus, you're the king of glory. But he wanted these guys to be included in the miracle. Roll the stone away. He wanted their hands on that miracle. Roll that stone away. They rolled the stone away and he came forth. And then he was still bound up. What did he do? He said, loose him. Loose him from the grave cloth so he can be about my business. Amen? He wants us to be, sometimes, uh, brothers and sisters, we have to take the grave cloths off of one another. Amen? We have to pray for one another. We have to love one another. My sister, my brother just got raised from the dead, and they're not complete yet. They need us to love one another and help them out. To help one another get the grave cloths off. Okay? That's a, the residue of the world still left on him. The residue. Jesus, is he able? Yes, he is. But he wants us to love one another, bear each other's burdens, help each other out. Man, talk about joy. You guys remember Jairus' daughter. You remember Jairus' daughter? He said, go. He told his servants, go get Jesus and bring him to the house so he can raise or so he can heal my daughter. But on the way, there were some distractions. The lady with the issue of blood, 12 years, she got in the way, and, well, not getting away, but she was part of it. And <clears throat> by the time he got deal with that issue, Jarius's another servant came and said, don't even bother, she's dead. Don't even bother, she's dead now. Could you imagine the heartbreak? Your little daughter, I was thinking about that. Sorry, get a moment. I mean, this guy, it broke his heart. His little girl was dead. Don't even bother coming. But Jesus said, let's go. And he went over there. And he said, where's she? And she, he, he went to where she was. And there was a bunch of people there. And he said, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And it says they laughed him down to derision. He said, are you kidding? She's dead. He said, get out. And he got rid of everybody but the mom and the dad and the guys that came with him. That unbelief can sure mess things up, can it? He said, you bums, get out. You guys get out. You're going to see the glory of God happen here. And he brought him in and he grabbed her by the hand. And he said, rise up, young lady. And she did. She sat up. Man, could you imagine the joy that flooded those parents' heart? Man, woohoo! Man, talk about jumping up and down, having a party. My girl was dead, but now she's alive. And Jesus said, go, go get her something to eat. Go get her something to eat. What about that, that widow of Nain? You remember her? Her son was raised from the dead. They were having the funeral already. Okay, they were going through the street and uh, what do you call it? The, the hearse. Jesus touched the hearse. He touched the hearse and the dead guy they were going to bury set up. Can you dig it? Are you, are you tracking with me? He set up. I've been to a lot of funerals this last year. Heartbreak. And he set up. Man, talk about that widow. Man, she was partying all the way down. Guys, bring that food that you was going to bring, the potluck. We're going to my house for a party. We're not going to the funeral no more. Man, talk about joy. How about confidence? Has the enemy stripped you of your confidence today? Yeah, he has, huh? Me, same here. The enemy strips him of my confidence uh, continually. So we need to know. You remember when David slew Goliath? You remember that? He was over there taunting the people. He said, 
He said, you guys are a bunch of bums. And this guy was one of them super soldiers, nine feet tall, humongous, man. He was a man of man. He, he couldn't even get in this door here. He'd have to duck down. Excuse me? You guys are a bunch of bums. Who are you Christians anyway? And we're trembling. He said, guy's pretty big. He's got some big weapons. He's got some big weapons. But what did, what did, what did David do? You remember what he did? He went in the, in the brook and he got little five little stones. I always wonder why he got five. I don't know. God knows. Maybe he had four brothers. Don't know. But he put that one in there. And he said, I don't, he said, I come at you in the power of God. In the power of God. I don't come in the power of Randy. I don't come in the power of Dickie Boy. I don't come in the power of Todd. I come in the power of God. And he got that thing and he flung it around and he slung it right into the guy's forehead. Right into the Goliath's forehead. He fell down. You remember what he did with his sword? He cut off his head with his own sword. Listen to that now. With his own sword. Goliath's own weapon that he thought that he was going to just destroy that whole, the whole uh, Hebrew nation. No. See, the enemy wants to take the church out. He wants to shut the church up. We need that confidence that, wait a minute, I'm a child of God. You can't talk to me like that. And that's what David said. You cannot talk to us like that. We're the children of the Most High God, and you are a bum, and I'm taking you out. And he did by the power of God. Because he was defiling the nation of Israel. Man, talk about confidence boost. Confidence boost for the whole, because you remember what happened right after that? What happened? They all gathered up and the Israelites chased them guys. They chased them down and gave them a whooping. Man, that's what we need to do. We need to take this confidence that David had and we need to go in the power of God. What about Abraham whenever he's taking his son up there? In obedience to God, he said, I want you to sacrifice your son. That's what God told him. Go up to this hill, I'm going to tell you. And he went up there and his son was saying, okay, dad, I see the, I see the wood. I see the, the, you know, the, everything. But where's the sacrifice? He said, God will supply. He knew that his son was the sacrifice. But his son didn't know that. Until I think a little bit later on, whenever the, he said, no, he told his servant, wait here, we're going to go up on the hill. And he said, where's the sacrifice? What was he thinking? I think he was getting a little nervous. I know Abraham was getting a little nervous. But by obedience, Abraham said, even if I slay my son, my God will raise him from the dead. He had this confidence. He got up there all the way. He had the knife up like this, and he's about to sacrifice his son. And God said, do that child no harm. Stop. Oh, man, talk about, I think Abraham said yes. And he looked over here, and there was a ram caught in the thicket. So he went and grabbed him, made the sacrifice. God is the supplier of all of our needs, church. We need to realize who he is and how big he is. Amen. You guys remember when Peter stepped out on the sea? He was scared. He saw, he saw Jesus. There was a big old storm, and they had, there was out in the middle of the night. And they saw somebody walking on the water. They thought it was a ghost. And they were all freaking out. Who is this? He said, it's me. And Peter said, call me out. I'll come. He said, come on out. And he started trucking across the water, man. That's confidence. Would you hop out of a perfectly good boat into a stormy ocean? Not me. Not me, but he went out there and he went to Jesus. What about the church? You remember whenever Peter got thrown in prison? Because they took, I, I believe it was James, and they killed him. And they, uh, they saw that it pleased the crowd so they took Peter in jail, and they was going to kill him on Monday. Monday didn't come for them guys, did it? The Bible says that 
prayer was made for, for Peter, just a little five-minute prayer, it says that he pray, the, the church prayed without ceasing. They prayed without ceasing until their Peter was delivered. Like I said before, you've heard this. They pushed. They prayed until something happened. Push. And that's how we need to pray. They prayed until something happened. They prayed until their brother was delivered. And he came at night and he started, and he started banging on the door. And they sent uh, Rotor, one of the ladies down. They said, go see who's banging at the door. And he said, it's Peter. She didn't let him in. She ran back and she said, it's Peter, it's Peter. He said, you're out of your mind, man. Is that how we pray? We pray like crazy, but we don't really believe for a miracle. Until it happens and God slaps us upside the face, he said, that's what you've been praying for, hasn't it? You get a healing, your kid gets saved, set free, whatever. People you've been praying for a long time, they get, they get, they get saved. You see them in church the next Sunday, what's going on with this guy? You've been praying for him for two years. Praise God. Anyway, that's our confidence builder. They saw Peter right there at the gate. Talk about confidence. But we've been praying for this guy. Man. What about salvation? Anybody here say? Anybody here a follower of Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Have you been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Have you died to yourself? Not trusting in yourself to get there any longer? Praise God. That's a good thing. You guys remember Zacchaeus, the tax collector? Since we haven't read any word yet, let's just go ahead and read that right now. Luke 19. And I assure you, everything I was talking about, it's in the Bible. But I urge you to study everything I've said about and say, wait a minute. I'm taking notes. I said this, and does, is it really in the Bible? Luke 19, verse 1. Luke 19. Luke 19, verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was a rich man. Get that? He was a rich man. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not, for he, the press, because of the crowd, and because he was a little guy. He was of little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they, that's the other tax collectors and the religious guys, they murmured saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Oh, man. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, forasmuch as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Man. Talk about a revelation. God gave Zacchaeus a revelation, just like he did Peter. Peter, who do people say that I am? Well, some say that you're a prophet, or some say that you was a good man. But Peter, who do you say that I am? I say that you are the son of the living God. And he said, Jesus said, flesh and blood did not show you that. But my Father in heaven showed you that. And I believe that every one of you that just raised your hands, you had to get a revelation from God. That Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, or you never, never, never would have came to him. 
because Satan would have continued to have your eyes blinded so that you cannot receive the truth. I was blind for 27 long years. Anybody else been blinded for quite some time? Yeah. I got saved late. I, I say later on, I'm 64 now. I guess 27 is young comparatively, right? But Satan kept me blinded for all that time. <clears throat> Until Jesus Christ gave me the revelation that I needed a Savior. He shined this big old floodlight right down inside my heart. He said, check out that, Randy. I'm okay, God. No, no, no. Check this out. Look a little closer. And then look a little bit closer at me. You're going to be compared to me whenever you stand in judgment. Oh. Well, in that case, what do I do? Just like Peter, whenever he is preaching to these guys, and 3,000 people got saved. That's what happened. They were cut to the heart. They were convicted. God gave them a revelation of who they were, what kind of sinful state they were living in. He said, well, what must we do to be saved? You remember that voice of desperation? What must we do to be saved? He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of your sin, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow. I got to believe, and I got to repent of my sin, turn from my sin. Repentance means going this way and then turning around, going the opposite direction. Amen? Without repentance, there is no salvation. You guys remember Simon the sorcerer? Simon the sorcerer, that's in Acts 8, 9 through 24, if you want to read that later on. Let me just uh, tell you who he was. Simon was from uh, a Samaria, and a small town in Samaria, and he, uh, the word, he hornswoggled those people into believing that he was somebody. Okay, he bewitched them to believe that he was somebody in God. But he was not. He worked for the other team. He worked for Satan. He worked for the darkness. He worked for the dark side. But Simon got saved. He was convicted of his sin, converted, turned to Jesus Christ, following Jesus Christ. And he was truly saved. But then later on in the story, you'll see that uh, the, the guys were laying their hands on people and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. And he tried to buy that gift. He said, hey, I like that. I'll give you money if you give me that gift. Peter ripped him up one side and down the other. He said, you know what? You have no part in this because the gift of God cannot be purchased. You ever see that sometimes television has these people? Oh, you can sell. The gift is God is not for sale. Jesus Christ paid it all. And it's a free gift. Whoever will come to me, repent of their sin. I'll give you everything that I am, everything that you need. Anyway, Simon the sorcerer did repent of that. He did repent of it. He said, pray that none of these things will come upon me. He was convicted and he got saved and then he got right again. Because sometimes we need to repent. Look, you guys remember the first, the, the seventh church of, of uh, Revelation of Asia in Revelation uh, uh, 2 and 3? Five of those seven churches had to repent. And even us daily. We go through stuff. Yes, Father, forgive me. I blew it today. Actually, a lot. Praise God. But God is good. You got Zacchaeus, you got Simon, and guess who else you got? You got every one of you guys that raised your hands. And everybody that you guys know outside this body that have been born again, that have rejected sin, turn your back on the enemy, on the enemy and, and, and live for Jesus Christ. So, back to the very first illustration. You got the elephant. You got the guy standing there. Nope. God's like a this, he's like a snake. No, he's like a tree. No, he's like a wall. No, he's like a rope. Now, through all these things we just went over, is God able to take care of any and everything that would expose or subject itself in your life? 
God's trying to show us. He's trying to show me how big he is and how complete he is. The Bible says that we are complete, Colossians, we are complete in him. Romans 8, I think 1, it says, For there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And I always wanted to know who is in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Who is in Christ Jesus? What does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? 1 John 2, 5 tells you, those that obey him, those that follow him. That's who is in Christ Jesus, those who keep my commandments. Do you keep the commandments to be saved? Everybody knows that. If you're a born-again believer, you know that you're saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? But all the way through the word, if you love me, keep my commandments. What commandments? Well, the commandments that he's inscribed upon your heart whenever you're born again. There's still the statutes of God. Jesus Christ held every single one of them. And we know that we can't. That's why there's no... We, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Not by our own works. Nobody by your own works is going to make it into heaven. If you are, that means Jesus Christ died for nothing. Amen? And he didn't die for nothing. He died for every single one of us. And everybody else who would call upon the name of the Lord. Such a good God, is he not? Such a good God. Someone asked me one time, well, if we're not supposed to follow commandments, which one do we not follow? Which one should we take out of there? Can we get a pen and scratch one of them off? No. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Huh. Can we scratch that one? How about taking the Lord's name in vain? No. Probably not. What about coveting? What about keeping the Sabbath holy? What about lying, cheating, stealing? Nah, you can't really scratch none of them off, huh? You can't because he's inscribed them on your heart. And we become, that's who we become, children of the living God. And there's a change in us because through the Holy Spirit, he inscribes his laws in our heart, and that's who you become. It becomes well-pleasing to him. Not to be saved. Like I said, if, if you're doing good works to be saved, Jesus Christ, you've fallen from grace, and Jesus Christ is not. He can't be your Savior. But we do that because it's well-pleasing to the Father. Anyway, do we all have a view of how big God is today? That's, that's what I wanted to make sure that everyone got today. Okay, well, good. Everyone's real quiet, so I'm figuring you're either, either okay, it's time to go, Bradford, kind of, either that or, or we don't get how big he is. Hopefully, whenever you go out of these doors today, you're going to reveal, you're going to show to people how big he is. You're going to be broken for the things that break him. You're going to hate the things that he hates, and you're going to love the things that he loves. And the people that you've been praying for, I believe you're going to start seeing miracles because of how big God is. Our confidence is going to be built up. Amen? We're going to start seeing healings, victories. Our confidence, sometimes my confidence wanes away, you know, because I've been praying for some of the same things for years, 15, 20 years. Is it because God doesn't hear me? No, he hears us. There's right prayers and there's wrong prayers. Did you know that? There's right prayers and then there's wrong prayers. And I want to get the right prayers out there. The prayers that, that I would not heap these things upon me that would that it would be all about him. Because I don't want this million dollars. I don't want this fancy new car. Look at my car. I'm anything but. Don't look at my car today. It's pretty raggedy. 
But God wants us to fall in love with him. Amen? He wants us to be about his business, not our business. My business is a waste of time. And he wants his opinion to come through our lips, not ours, right? I've got opinions. we all got opinions, like I said before. Opinions are like a nose, and we all have one. And they're all a little bit different. Right? Not necessarily right. Some of them are, if they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. If your opinion is inspired by the Holy Spirit, then it's probably right. But let it be, that's God's opinion. That's not really yours. And that's what we need to manufacture or let God manufacture in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to be pliable, movable, so that God can move you and shape you into his perfect image, right? So that you can show the world that I serve this great big God, and he's a good God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your awesome grace and mercy today. Now I'm asking that you would just overwhelm us with your Holy Spirit and with your truth. And I'm asking, reveal yourself to us. We need a face-to-face encounter with you tonight, Lord, this morning, Lord Jesus. I need for you to captivate my heart. Captivate every heart here this morning, Lord Jesus, so that we could become more like you. We could become less like ourselves and more like you, so the world would see you in us. So they could see how big you are, how good you are how much you love. You're an awesome God. I thank you, Father, for revealing yourself to every one of us here. Help us to be the children of God that put a smile on your face. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today here at the Living Waters Church in Globe, Arizona. We hope you enjoyed the message. May you have a great week, and may everything you do be blessed by God.